This is the Straight Dope, episode 51, The Shot Process. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the shot process today because it's been coming up and I've been mentioning it, posting about it, but haven't talked about it as much on here. So uh, before I do, I want to talk about the subscribers. Those of you who are subscribers to Riflecraft, I want you to, if you haven't been getting the emails from me, I've been trying to figure out a way to make a subcast that's privately hosted that only you guys have access to, but I've, I've just haven't figured out how to quite link that through Riflecraft. So in the meantime, what I've been doing is sending you guys emails directly and with thoughts, debriefs, training tips, and some, some, uh, a new target, but I've got a handful of new targets and training ideas. But Part of that was, A, to add value to the subscription, communicate with you, get feedback directly from you. So it's coming from, uh, it could be in your junk mail folder. It's coming from chrisrway at gmail.com. It's also coming from Riflecraft. So it's coming from a couple different emails. But I just, if you're listening to this and you're a subscriber, just, and you haven't seen an email, um, check your junk folder, something like that, until I figure out how to kind of integrate it with the website, I figure it's worth going out of my way to communicate directly with you guys uh, and in a, in a more private, you know, direct to the subscriber way. So uh, if you haven't got that, check it out. Uh, thanks for subscribing. If you don't subscribe, you can do that. It supports the podcast. It supports the website. It gives you more analytics. It gives you other features, and you'll be able to see the new features that are coming out pretty soon first. And uh, some of those are going to be calculations based on your shooter profile numbers and the rifle that, that's in that profile, and then using ballistics to kind of expand that with wind variables so that you can kind of see how that opens up with wind to calculate your um, kind of ethical or probable hit zones at distance and so on and so forth. Um, and there's a bunch coming, but you'll hear about that through those emails, so I don't talk about it here. But one of the reasons that yeah, I've been emailing, is that more and more, it seems like to get better, you have to concentrate on the skills that you're weak at. And that's something that I've been obsessing over, I've been reading about. And for me, a lot of that psychological, it's tricks, it's mental mistakes. And really, when you think about it, and you dissect it and debrief it, it comes back to the process. So the process is what I want to talk to you about today, because it's different for everybody. Now, a lot of times people reach out and, you know, I'll ask them about their shot groups. I'll ask them about their wind. I'll ask them about everything. And like, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. But the thing is like in the back of your mind, it's like, bro, you don't have it. Right. Because if your hit percentage is 65%, like you don't have it figured out. And more and more, when you look at different types of shooting events, they seem like you're playing craps or you're rolling dice. And it seems more and more like games of probability instead of games of skill and accuracy. And if you look at the brackets that a lot of shooters perform at, across all the, the shooting disciplines that I've been staring at, there's like benchmarks and they seem to go up. You know, if I round it, it's easy to say 60, 70, 80, 90%, right? But if you think about the rounds fired and so on, it really actually turns out to be closer to just standard deviations. And those standard deviations represent probabilities and the good shooters, which there aren't that many of, are in the 90th percentile bracket, right? 92-ish percentile. And you still got a standard deviation in there that 
is that left and right miss error. And, and obviously, the skill level is high. Their skill level is high. And there's still a chance of missing some of these targets. And so, um, but as you go down, you know, a lot of times you hear about shooters saying, like, oh, man, I had a great match, you know. And, but, but, but then when you look, at the, you look at the list of people that showed up, like nobody that's nobody good showed up. So, of course, you had a good match. But, that, but your hit probability is still, you know, 72% or something like that, which, which is, you know, 72% in the big picture puts you in the top of most firearm owners, you know, shooting past 100 yards. So you've got skill, and clearly shooting 70% is a hard thing to achieve. But in the bigger picture, right, it's probably a yellow belt. And we're still battling statistics. And what seems to raise people up and out of that kind of statistical doldrums is layering in those higher and higher skills. And the way you do it isn't saying, oh, I got it. I got my trigger pull. I got my level. I got, you know, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. It's to say, what are the elements that are required for you to hit a target? Whatever it is for you. Can you make a checklist out of those? And I'm not talking about the classic fundamentals because I think that most of that is dogma. Most people can't demonstrate that perfectly. And when you take them out, they won't hit high hit percentages. So I think some of it is just, you know, it's saying, yeah, this works for an, you know, an unskilled shooter shooting offhand to have a higher probability of hit, but the probability of hit is still pretty darn small. So, so whatever it is that gets you to hit 50%, 60%, 70%, great, let's make a checklist out of it. Then you identify why you're missing. You know, why are you missing? It's not wind, most likely. It's probably, you know, left and right wobble something in that process. So you iron out. We figure out why it is by diagnosing it, shooting it on paper, bringing those left and right limits in. You add that to your process. The way you do that is you isolate things and you train those things specifically in isolation until the skill level goes up. And that comes back again to the shot process. The very best shooters have a process, and they stick to that process. It allows them to identify their strengths and weaknesses. It allows them to say, you know, when I'm shooting and I do miss, what was the cause and how do I work that back into the recipe that I need to go through and then train that specifically. You don't train everything all the time. You train specific parts until there's gains. You integrate it, and then you go prove it somewhere where you can prove it by raising your hit percentage. So the shot process. For me, I've been going over kind of what I tend to do. And because I like field matches, it's hard to see the targets. So the first thing I want to do is figure out where my target is. So the first part of my shot process is target. I see it with my naked eye. If I was looking at it through binoculars, I look over the binoculars till I see it with my naked eye or see where it is with my naked eye and get a visual reference so that I know where it is or a sequence of targets. I know where they are and I create a mental map of where those targets are based on the terrain around them. If I watch video of myself and it takes a long time, I notice that if I don't index, look at the target by eye, then look through glass, it's going to take me longer if I start scanning with my scope. And so when I look at video and I'm analyzing, God, that took me a long time. Most of the time, a stage takes me a long time. It's because I try to find the target through my rifle scope rather than looking by eye, orienting the rifle towards the target, and then getting my sight picture again. 
And yeah, it takes a little bit longer to look up, find the new target, reorient, get back down on glass. But the time saved in the big picture in the long run is massive compared to occasionally losing a target and then fishing around for it and not knowing exactly where it is and then, and then trying to you know zoom in, zoom out, look around, zoom in, zoom out, look around. Like, no, I could keep it on relatively high power, look at it, point my rifle towards it, get on it. That tends to work pretty quickly. When, I, when I'm slow, most of the time, it's because I'm trying to go through my scope to another target that has a big pan rather than look at it by eye. So I put target first. Target, I'm always going to look by eye. And then I'm going, and sometimes I can do it with my left eye. So my right eye is looking through the scope. My left eye is open. I scan with my left eye if I could see it, and then I can, I can do that. But I'm always trying to find it by eye. And then position is point the rifle naturally resting, right, it, it, you know, to its natural point of aim so that the muzzle is facing towards the target. Because when I anchor, which is my third one, I point my muzzle down. I bridge, and I come up into the target. And so I know that all I have to do is bridge and come up into the target, I'm going to see it. So I have target position anchor, and I always do that. If I break that sequence, I'm slower. And when I'm slower, then there's time stress, there's timing out, there's other issues associated with that. If I try to um, move my body and then pull the rifle into me, that creates positional shifts, right? Natural point of aim shifts. I want to have the rifle pointed towards the target, I'm going to anchor to it and I'm going to bridge into it, but I want the rifle pointed on its own at the target before I connect with it. Then I connect with it, anchor, bridge. I want to have just enough pressure where I can have recoil management so I don't lose my sight picture when I'm shooting. And I notice that I have a higher hit percentage. I have a smaller group consistently across all positions when I anchor and bridge into the rifle. I'm not pushing hard. I'm not putting a lot of forward force, just enough that if, let's say, we were sitting on concrete, the bipod's not really going to slide forward. When it comes down, it might slide forward like, you know, an inch or something like that, but it's not going to drop off my chest, not going to drop off my clavicle. The bag's not supporting the rifle at all. It's bridged into me, and there's enough friction in the bipod that it connects it to my torso. Then I use the bag just simply to support wobble, but the bag does not support the buttstock of the rifle. So I have target position, anchor, level. When you're panning around in panic, it's not uncommon to have your rifle go into a canted position. I like to feel like my eyes can level the reticle on its own, but if there's a level or if there's a way for me just simply cognitively to check level, whether or not I have a bubble level staring at my face, I usually have one in my XLR chassis. Some of the rings have them. There's, there's levels around, but more or less try to orient myself to gravity. And I've got rifles without bubble levels. I still go through that process of level, which is simply like open my, you know, my left eye is open, orient that reticle picture to my awareness so that I'm trying to actually achieve a level rifle. Sight picture. I've bridged. I've got a level rifle. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to shoot, but now I have a sight picture. Once I have a sight picture and it's level, I should be stable. I shouldn't have a lot of wobble because of 
the position, you know, I found the target. I put the rifle in this position. That rifle should be relatively stable on its own. It should have the components of stability that don't require me too much. It shouldn't be really wobbly or I need to work on my position building. Once I've anchored to it, I'm another point of contact for that rifle, so it shouldn't be moving. The level component is the final adjustment so that it's you know, vertical. When I get a sight picture, it's to make sure that the subtensions that I'm holding for wind, or if I'm dialing wind, that center dot is dead center, and there really isn't wobble. And you see that the instant you gain a sight picture. right? Then I double-check my turrets and wind, and I go into the shot process. It really shouldn't take you a long time to go into the actual trigger pull. I think I see a lot of shooters, when I'm actually looking at them, they get all set, they do everything great, and then they get on, and they're ready to shoot, and they exhale, and then they sit there, and it's one, two, three. What the hell's going on? Four. What the? You know, and then, and it's like, holy crap. Like, I get... You don't want to rush it. You don't want to slap the trigger. But what's happening? You know, they check. They're they're kind of checking their position. They're wiggling a little bit. All that should have been done if you're actually doing those uh, sequences. In in my opinion, right? When it comes to the trigger press, I feel the pads of my finger touch the trigger. I have no pressure into it. Then I feel I've got calluses on my hands from rock climbing. I feel that callus start to stretch. And, and I usually have my triggers a little bit heavier than, than a lot of shooters, right? Over a pound, pound and a half, sometimes two pounds. Uh, lately, I've been shooting a trigger, actually, that's like three pounds. And it feels like a lot, but I feel the, the skin squish. And I'm pulling back, and I'm feeling it come straight back into me. And, and I'm noticing that, right, I'm getting more and more and more pressure, and it shoots, bang, and I, it recoils into me, and I'm staring at the target, and I notice where the bullet goes. Right, I don't pay attention to you know where did my crosshairs jump to, right? I, to me, that that seems like not the thing that I want to notice, right? What I want to notice is where'd the bullet go. So I'm staring at the target and I'm looking on the target where the bullet hit, or in the dirt where the bullet hit. If I miss the target, if it's small, I'm not looking at my crosshairs. I'm not looking at anything like that. My focus is on the target where the bullet went, looking for the sign of the impact so that then I can make the adjustment that I need to in my mind, whether I'm holding wind, whether I'm dialing wind, it, you know, it's not often elevation, but I'm noticing all of that stuff before I put, let off the trigger. And if I'm going to shoot again, then I can rack the bolt. I can measure the distance that, you know, the impact was that I need to make a correction or something like that. But I'm not really... Um, doing some of the stuff you hear about, like, oh, I saw my reticle jump up and right, or, or, or calling your shots based on like where the reticle was when you think the shot broke. It's like, shit, man, pay attention to the bullet. And that's part of this shot process because once that bullet leaves, you need to know exactly where it went so that you can make an educated decision on what's next. Do you go to another target? Do you re-engage? What, you know, what's happening? You know why you're there. You know why you're shooting. But there's a lot of information to be gained from watching where that stupid thing went. That process for me is where points are gained and lost, right? If I can't find a target, great. That's the first thing I need to do, get a target. Then I need to build a good position. 
if my if my positions are wobbly, if you're like, man, I you know I was shooting, but you know my wobble was as big as the target. It's like shit. You need to go practice building positions so that you have no wobble. Literally, when you talk to good shooters, the wobble is less than a tenth. If you're building positions consistently, and your position is inherently wobblier than than a tenth of a mil, you need to work on that until it's not dry fire. Just build a position. And build it on rickety things, but not things that are moving. Build positions until there's no wobble. If you're shooting and there's huge wobble, you're just wasting money. You're gambling again. You're going to miss left and right, and you don't know if it's wind. It's probably not wind. It's probably your position. If your position isn't stable, and when you connect with that next one, anchor, and you disconnect, and you reconnect, and that reticle, if it moves... You need to work on connecting to your rifle, right? You're changing the natural point of aim. All that you can do without, without even shooting. If your position's wobbly, don't waste your money shooting. Waste your time building positions until there's no wobble, right? Once you're building positions and you're breaking that trigger and there's less than a tenth of wobble, it might be worth shooting live rounds. If you anchor yourself to your rifle, and the reticle moves, you need to work on connecting to your rifle so the reticle doesn't move. When you're ready to shoot, if you disconnect from the rifle for a second and see if the reticle goes left, right, up, or down, if it does more than maybe two-tenths or something like that, don't shoot. Don't waste your money on bullets. You're going to start missing, and it's going to turn into a game of probability, but we're not playing dice, right? This isn't jacks. This isn't dice. This isn't cards. This is something that you have control over, and that's the shot process. You can go step-by-step step through whatever it is in your process. This is mine. You might have a completely different process, but you know why you're missing, whether you want to admit it or not. You're like, no, I totally know my gun number is five, and so I got a perfect wing call, and I got all this stuff great. Everybody has great reasons why they've mastered everything, but they got 68% at the last match. Well, to me, that's a big flag that you need to go back to your process, stop shooting live rounds, so that you can hammer out and refine each step in the process. Say it out loud and work on it in specificity. It's super sexy to go through like this huge routine where you got to warm up and you shoot some big targets and you, you know, shoot some ipsics and you go and you go through all these courses of fire and you got tons of impacts, but it's it's not going to make you better like working on one thing, maybe one thing for weeks and weeks and weeks and months until that thing is good. If you can't build a position that doesn't have wobble, then you don't know how to build a position, period. If you can't connect to your rifle and keep the reticle on the thing you're aiming at, or you have to steer the reticle back onto the thing you're, you don't know how to connect to your rifle, period. If you can't build a stable position, you're going to miss. You know, you know, whatever the standard deviations are, right? 25% of your shots are going to miss, and they're going to miss on either side, and you're going to say you got fucked by wind. If you can't anchor to the rifle without moving the reticle, your natural point of aim is off. And again, standard deviations are going to come in, and you're going to be at the 60-70th percentile. If you're stuck in the 60-70 percentile, you need to revisit these components. The people that are in the 80s and the few people that are in the 90s, they do this stuff 
to an anal level and they do it perfectly and they train it obsessively until there's no wobble, no movement when they connect. They always check their level. They have a perfect sight picture. That sight picture is crisp. That sight picture is not moving. And they have that sight picture there because when they break that trigger, they see where their bullet hits the target. They measure the distance from where they were aiming. They adjust. They make a mental note of the wind speed and they carry that to the next target. They're seeing everything that's happening. If that takes you five minutes, awesome. Practice it. Cut the fat out of it. It'll turn to four minutes. Awesome. Is your hit percentage, is your group size coming down? Perfect. It's working, right? If your group size is coming down on paper on a high round, you're right, like a craft drill, it doesn't matter how long it takes you because the more you practice that process, the shorter the process will get. You don't need to rush it. I promise. I've dropped most of my build and break times down by seconds just working the process and not caring about time and then saying, all right, I'm going to do it with no gaps, all right, no dead time. I'm going to cut out all the dead time. If, 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 if I see this, it's ready to go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the next one. As soon as I feel that that one's done, I'm going to go to the next one. As soon as I feel that one's done and I'm going to say it out loud and like, you know, standing up, dropping to prone, you know, if the goal's 10 seconds, great. I can say it out loud and I can make sure, double check, triple check. I can change my, I can change my elevation. I can make sure everything is fine. Still, but not because I was trying to do it in 10 seconds. Because I started trying to do it in 15. But I practiced it and I filmed it. I even watched it backwards. But I said, wait, what am I doing between this and this? Because it takes a little bit longer. Oh, I don't know what I was doing. Let me, let's try to make it a smoother transition. Now 14 turns to 13, 13 turns to 12, 12 turns to 11. You're not trying to go faster, but you're becoming more and more efficient. That efficiency comes from reps, and the reps comes from looking at what you're doing specifically and asking yourself, why am I missing? If you build wobbly positions, work on building stable positions. It sounds funny. Most of you are probably saying, yeah, I totally got that. Well, you know, show me. Show me on paper that you could do that. Show me at a match that your hit percentage is higher, that the wind isn't fucking you left and right because your position has a you know, one mil wobble on a half mil target. Like, bring your numbers up by working this shot process, and I guarantee everything that you've been trying to do will happen. Myself, as much as anyone, has to look at where your weaknesses are and train those in isolation, train those in specificity. And it's not sexy, but it works. And you'll be able to track your progress over time. It's not going to happen by next weekend. It's not going to happen in a month. Shit, it might not even happen in six months. Really, to have tangible progress, you have to work those things and you have to be honest with yourself. And I think for most of us to be honest with ourselves, you know, and, and for me specifically, I still struggle to see targets. I still struggle to index on targets. I still build positions that have a little wobble in them. I still connect and disconnect to the rifle and have that reticle move. 
I still build positions when I, especially when I transition left and right, that induce can't. I still search for things through my sight picture rather than going back to step one. I still focus on the reticle instead of the target after I break my shot. And so rather than see like exactly where the bullet won, I still notice, oh, my reticle jumped right. Right? I still misdial my wind or forget to turn it to zero. And I still rush those trigger pulls. Like all of those steps, I still screw up fairly regularly. And I know that most people do screw-ups on their shot process as well. But I also know that these are the components that in my individual shooting have the biggest influence. And so I go back and I look at them individually and train them individually, even if it's dry fire. Hell, it might even be just thinking about it, making sure my turrets are zero, right? Making sure that I'm thinking about the process so that when I visualize something, I'm visualizing those steps and I'll say them out loud. But these things I can't do perfectly. My, my hip percentages are absolutely coming up. My hip percentages have everything to do with this shot process, but I don't do it perfectly. And these are the reasons that I'm missing, right? Not generally because of a bad wind call, right? Because a bad wind call, if I did the rest of this right, I'd be shooting at 90%, sometimes 92%. So you can't blame it on a wind call because you take your first shot, you have your wind call. You should hit the rest of the targets. Why don't you hit the rest of the targets? comes back to that process. Are you checking and doing these things perfectly? And then you look at the standard deviations that fall off of that first round miss from a wind. Rather than keeping it one standard deviation down and being in the 90s, you might be in the 80s, you might be in the 70s, you might be in the 60s. We're talking about multiple standard deviations of error that are built into this process. 80, 75, 80% of this requires no live rounds to work on. Almost 100% of people that I talk to say they got all this stuff down. What's the secret? They got all this stuff down. What are the pros doing You know that we're not doing? I'll tell you what the pros are doing. They're working on their shot process. They're working on their steps in isolation, in specificity. They're not doing fancy, complicated routines. They're doing insanely simplistic routines. Insanely specific routines to a very, very high level of detail because they expect to be in that first standard deviation of error bracket. And that's very, very hard to do. So if you want to do what I see the best shooters doing, what I talk to the best shooters doing, It's not bells and whistles, it's simplicity. It's the shop process. So get after it.